Welcome to the Joma Preventative Health Podcast, hosted by the Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association. We provide you with up-to-date information on health topics geared towards the Orthodox Jewish community. This podcast content is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice or as a substitute for the medical advice of a physician. Hi, this is Lisa Minkin. Um, I am a pediatrician and I have here today Gila Glassberg. Gila is a master's level registered dietitian and a certified intuitive eating counselor. She became passionate about the field of nutrition and dietetics as a teenager. When faced with constant diet talk, body shaming, and obsessive guilt around food, she struggled with disordered eating. This is what propelled her into the field of nutrition. Once finishing her degree, she became aware of a non-diet, weight-neutral approach to health called intuitive eating. She now works one-on-one and in group settings to help Orthodox Jewish women break out of chronic dieting and regain clarity into what is really important to them. So Gila, can you tell me more about intuitive eating? Oh, sure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank um, you for being here. <laughs> sure. So intuitive eating is a book and like a nutrition methodology that was written by two registered dietitians, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. And um, I kind of like to tell the backstory of how it came to be, just so people understand. Um, So both of these dietitians were working in the field of private practice for many years. And um, they, you know, started to feel really frustrated because they would put people on diets or meal plans or whatever whatever you'd want to call it, healthy eating. And um, their clients would always return one year, two years, five years, 10 years later, um, and they always gained back the weight and sometimes even more weight. And now they had this added level of shame and guilt around um, eating and their bodies. And they just, the the dietitians were feeling really frustrated and they also felt really bad for their clients. And they were also wondering like, what are they doing wrong? What's wrong with this picture? And also why are their clients like blaming themselves and not blaming the diets or the dietitians. So um, they actually wanted to look to the research and see what the research says about dieting. And they actually were not able to find any good studies to support that dieting leads to long-term weight loss, long-term meaning five years or more. So if you really think about it, um, I guess, like I thought about it when I was reading the book, I was like, huh, I know a lot of people who have been on diets, but I don't really know anyone who's kept off weight. Right. So, yeah, so that's how Intuitive Eating was um, born. And it's it's completely research-based and there's 10 principles. And the principles are supposed to help you heal your relationship with food. So there's many different aspects. There's, um, you know, honoring your hunger, feeling your fullness, getting in touch with what food you actually do like. And then there's a whole emotional component, like learning to to not use food to cope with your emotions and positive self-talk. So it's very interesting. Oh, can you tell me more about how you got into it? Sure. So I, um, so I, um, how do, where do I start? So basically I'm one of nine. I'm the fourth of nine. I'm Mm -hmm. from a big family. And I always say my mom didn't always have time to make sure that we ate healthy she just made sure that we ate you know so I didn't really know much about 
what's healthy, what's not healthy food. I didn't think about it. I just ate like what was around. Um, and then I went away for high school and I, I, I'm from out of town. I'm from Scranton and uh, we moved, I went to, I lived in Teaneck for high school. So I was like, a, like newly exposed to like a lot of kosher food and restaurants. And um, it was really exciting to me to be able to eat, you know, like kosher pizza, whatever I wanted, you know? And, um, but like a few months into high school, like I just, there was just so much like shame, diet talk, um, so much like hatred around our bodies and food. And I just sort of was like, oh, I guess like my body's not good enough at this size. I better like try to lose weight. And that was my first, I guess, exposure to dieting and not being happy with my body just by osmosis, like what my friends were doing. Right, it's everywhere. yeah, I guess that's just really common. And um, and so I tried different diets and like I would lose weight, but then I would inevitably start binging on the foods that I was restricting. And then I would feel horrible. Like there was something wrong with me. Like I lacked willpower. Like if I could just try a little harder. And I finally got to a point where I was just like, okay, I just won't restrict certain foods. I'll just try to not eat as much as I can, which is really like a very disordered eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I did that for a while actually. And, um, I lost a lot of weight and I didn't, I, from my perspective in high school, I don't remember like people being so concerned. It was more like, wow, you look amazing. how did you do it? Like, Oh my God, like teach me your tricks, you know, like even from, from everyone, like even from adults. And it was just really reinforcing like this negative behavior. Um, and what happened with me is that I went away in 11th grade with my friends. We went to LA and I was uh, with them a lot. So they like saw how I was eating and they confronted me about it. And I was like, wow, like I'm, this really isn't healthy. And like just noticing like all the things that had happened, like I wasn't able to concentrate. I wasn't able to think about anything besides for food. I had a lot of fear around food and going to like a wedding because of food kind of like took over my mind. And, um, I was like, yeah, I don't want to be like this. Like this, this isn't normal. So at that point I was like, wow, I really want to learn like what is healthy. Cause like, apparently like everyone thinks like dieting and weight loss is healthy, but is it really healthy or what is healthy? So that's sort of like what my appetite about nutrition. And I started to like learn about it as a kid even. And I knew I wanted to go into the field and um, I did, I became a registered dietitian and I, I started working in the field and I felt like, I don't know, instinctively or intuitively, like I just felt like I didn't want to be like the food police. Like I felt like that was sort of like what we were doing as dietitians, like sort of shaming people for the way that they ate and the way that they looked. And it just didn't feel right to me. I didn't feel like good about what I was doing. And um, so (laughs) everyone's different, but I went to speak to someone who sort of like a career coach, health coach type of person. And she actually told me about intuitive eating. She said she, um, she read about it in Mishpacha and um, it was, there was an article written by Rena Reiser, who's also an intuitive eating coach, who is now my very good friend. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I reached out to her and she told me all about it. And I was like, what? That sounds crazy. What are you talking about? It made me feel better that it was written by dietitians, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but when I read the book, I just was relating to it on so many levels, especially what I went through in high school. Like, that's exactly what happened to me. Like, I just 
the the second like I allowed myself to eat those forbidden foods like I couldn't control myself around it and like the more I thought about those foods and the more guilt I felt and shame I felt about my body no matter how small my body was even it just was an obsession so yeah so basically I read the I read the book and I was like hooked and I I trained with one of the authors of intuitive eating Evelyn Tribble she trained me and I became certified and now that's what I do in my practice so how would someone learn how to do this? I, I'm guessing that you just can't read the book. So, you know, people read the book and they and they feel like they have somewhat of a grasp on it. I think that sometimes they need a little more support or they need some clarifying. That's when they would reach out to a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also heard that there's, I, there is um, an intuitive eating Facebook group like um, for from women. So mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people are supporting each other on that group. Um, I do like, obviously I think the best thing to do is to reach out to someone who is trained in this, um, in intuitive eating, but there, you can read the book and they also have a workbook so that they help you like work through the principles, which is amazing. And yeah. Can you talk about like at least one or two of the principles so we can get a better idea? Yeah, sure. So I'll, I'll tell you what I do. So the the authors of the book are very clear that you don't have to go in any specific order. Like it's mm-hmm. really not a list of rules. It's more like a guide. But I sort of have found that giving it a little more structure is helpful. So the first principle is reject the diet mentality. So so for example, I just started giving an online um, like like support group slash intuitive eating like learning group, and um, so the first session I just was telling them about rejecting the diet mentality and what the diet first you have to sort of like learn what the diet mentality is and call it what it is so like a lot of a lot of people are like you know um hiding behind like the guise of health like healthy eating and like clean eating but then you have this diagnosis of like orthorexia like an obsession with with only eating healthy food and putting clean quote-unquote foods into your body it becomes an obsession so just can you just do a little bit more on orthorexia because I was just about to ask you about that yeah sure so orthorexia is is, um it's I I think it was newly um, added to the DSM-5 the diagnostic um statistical manual for for um mental health disorders I think I'm not sure but um it's it's when you have an unhealthy obsession with eating healthy foods. Mm -hmm. So like, um, I don't know the exact like criteria that you have to meet in order to have the diagnosis, but it's, it's not anorexia where you're restricting or bulimia where you're, um, you know, throwing up or binge anywhere you're overeating. It's just the fact that like, you can't stop thinking about only putting, like you won't go out with friends. Like you're so Mm -hmm. paranoid about putting something in your body. That's not quote unquote healthy that it's like taking over your life. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the first principle is rejecting the diet mentality. So just noticing how like the whole world is basically on a diet. Like if you go to a Shabbos meal, 90% of the conversation is about like your latest diet and like noticing, like almost like validating it. Like there's like the sense of like community that comes with dieting. Like we all sort of share in that like insecurity that we're not good enough because mm-hmm. we're a certain size or because we can't control ourselves around food. So just like noticing like where diet mentality shows up in your life. And like what I do with my clients is like, I go, I go back to their childhood and like, what were the messages you got in your home as a child? Like, was it, was it that like your, your siblings were allowed to have dessert, but you weren't allowed, like, that's very painful. And like, they're still processing that, you know? Um, So that's the first principle. 
Um, and that sort of is like interwoven into all of the principles because you will notice subtle diet culture things to, as you're going through the intuitive eating process. And then um, you have a question? Oh, you heard me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just thinking because I'm a pediatrician. So I spend a lot of time trying to get families to have a healthy approach to feeding their children. And I see it on both ends. I see it in children who are picky, underweight children, and I have with children who are overweight. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar with Ellen Satter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's what I always talk about. Ellen Satter wrote a book, I don't know, dozens of years ago, um, yeah. helped me when my own kids were, were underweight um, with the basic principle of the division of responsibility. It's your job to offer healthy meals at recent inter decent intervals, and it's the children's job to eat it or not. Yep. So I just wanted to put that out there and see how you could bring in intuitive eating. I think the way I see the connection is helping parents raise children with healthy eating. I think that would be the most preventive yeah. way of doing it, right? A hundred percent. And I actually talk about the division of responsibility in my practice also. Mm -hmm. um, that's definitely the goal is to raise intuitive eaters and by giving them autonomy. So like uh, dieting is sort of like the opposite of autonomy. It's telling you what to eat, when to eat and how right. much to eat. Like the diet knows better, but we instinctively know how much to eat and when to stop. But it's the, it's the external factors that ruin that. So we're trying to take away those external factors by tell, like giving the client back that power. Like you, if, if like, if we could go back to where the dieting rules started and like how it made you feel and how you have been rebelling or how you have so much shame around your eating, like taking away those barriers. Um, it's very powerful. Um, and then the next principle is honor your hunger. And then principle five is feel your fullness. So I combine them. And in the intuitive eating book, there's a hunger fullness scale. So like they, it's like rate your hunger. So on a z from like zero to 10. So zero being like ravenously starving, like think of fast day. And then 10 being like overstuffed, like Thanksgiving, like unbutton your pants. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, and then they also have like rating the quality of your hunger. Like, is it pleasant, unpleasant or neutral? So I'll have my clients sort of like track, track this like over the week or two that we don't see each other to get them to realize um when you start to eat on a zero or a one on the hunger fullness scale you tend to eat till a nine or a ten and that's very un that feels chaotic and unpleasant but because like dieting turns off those cues you don't even really notice when you're physically hungry or when you're only feeling like you need to eat because you're really stressed out about something like you have to sort of um, identify is this physical hunger or is this emotional hunger where is this coming from so the first thing I like to do is teach them about physical hunger so that we can differentiate um, and then there's like just teaching basic concepts of like different ways to feel hunger you might not feel hunger in your stomach you might have more thoughts about food that's actually a symptom of hunger um, and sort of like embracing it because dieting like when you're dieting you're sort of like afraid to feel hungry right mm-hmm it's sort of like the enemy because you don't want to eat when you're not quote unquote supposed to. So it's like really teaching them about their bodies and biologically what hunger feels like and what fullness feels like and what could, and then we talk about nutrition, what could interfere with your fullness? Like, you know, combining a protein and a carbohydrate will help you feel fuller longer mm -hmm. or things like things like that. Um, so there's like a nutritional component and then uh, another principle is like the satisfaction factor. So like they give the example in the book that 
they try to get, we try to get our clients to realize what foods actually will satisfy you at that moment or at that meal. So there's clients that have said like, I realized that I was always binging on birthday cake because I was restricting myself from birthday cake. But then when I actually allowed myself to eat it with mindfulness, I realized I didn't even like birthday cake. So like realizing what's motivating you to eat a certain food and what foods actually appeal to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually there's one, one of the studies in the book says that, um, when you eat foods that you actually enjoy, you actually absorb the nutrients better. Mm. And, okay. <laughs> and also like going back to uh, that, just reminded me of like the hunger fullness scale. You'll, you'll also notice that like when you eat, when you start eating on a two or a three, which is pleasant hunger, um, that's actually when the food tastes the best. So you'll notice that like, as you start to practice like the hunger fullness and then as, as fullness starts to emerge, you'll notice that like the food doesn't taste as good or you're not as like tempted to continue eating. If you, if you allow yourself to slow down and check in. Mm-hmm. And what so is that? Like your, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. That's just your body reinforcing eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what does mindful eating entail? So mindful eating is, um, different from intuitive eating um but it's like a very similar model um but mindful eating is when it's part it's actually like included in intuitive eating though like there's a totally different like book called mindful eating but intuitive eating does use this so like it's 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 like trying to have as many meals as you can where you're not distracted Mm. and like frazzled and overwhelmed so that you could actually like sit with the pleasurable qualities of the food like you could even if you google like mindfulness um eating experiences Mm -hmm. these are like all two minute exercises where you're like let's say you try it with a piece of chocolate or something small and you like notice like the creaminess of the chocolate or you notice the richness or you notice the sweetness or the subtle notes and you swirl it around on your tongue and you you just get in touch with like how your body feels and what it feels like to eat and what it feels like to nourish yourself. Um, and actually like even today, this was like very powerful. I, I, I had someone in my office, like eat in my office so that we could like take bite by bite to see mm. which bite is like, they call it like the last bite threshold, which is when you're like comfortably full. And I feel like a lot of people when they're starting to regain their learning their hunger cues they have an easier time with that but when they have to learn their fullness cues it's like really hard because they feel like someone's like taking away their food you know so still tastes good (laughs) it still tastes good or it's so supportive for them or they don't have any other means of comfort or whatever so there's still there (laughs) it's still there yeah Mm -hmm, sure right and then there's like the clean your plate club you know right 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 just being able to stop before you're done because yeah. you're actually full. Right. I really wonder how this applies to different groups of people. I mean, we just um, got someone to speak about eating disorders for our phone information line. Mm-hmm. And I've heard of this approach being used at some point for people with eating disorders. I'd like to know more about that. Okay. So actually in the, in the intuitive eating book, they, the, the authors say that like, think of um, like a meal plan as sort mm. of like a cast when your arm is healing and then and then when it's healed you're you don't need the cast anymore so for people who have an eating disorder they're really their hunger fullness keys are sort of like really turned off it takes it takes a lot more to to get them more in touch with their body so uh, I think that intuitive eating comes after when they're already in the steps of recovery mm-hmm. 
and and also an eating disorder is so complex that um i i believe and i see i do have some clients with eating disorders in my office that they must be treated with a team you know with right. a therapist and a doctor and sometimes a psychiatrist because it's it's like oh, out of the scope of practice for the dietitian alone but right. for someone who's struggling with disordered eating um I, I I always think that going to a therapist is helpful, but I think right. that like it sort of encompasses all of that. Just the, just the intuitive eating approach, because there's a lot of um, actually. So one of the principles is called um, challenge the food police. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of like CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, where you mm-hmm. notice that your thoughts create your feelings, and your feelings create your behaviors, mm-hmm. and we're and we focus a lot on like the f- the food talk, like the diet talk in your head, and like what voices is that, and where does it stem from, and like the, like one of the voices is like the rebel voice. Mm-hmm. So sometimes um, people eat just because they're still they're, they're still rebelling against the diet. Mm-hmm. or yeah okay what about someone who is very overweight now this is not a diet so you're not necessarily going to lose weight while you do this right right so the goal is the goal of intuitive eating isn't necessarily to lose weight mm-hmm. some people they say like to put weight loss on the back burner um and also there's another um there's another like movement now called health at every size. Have you heard of that? Yes. Can you tell me more about it though, please? Okay. So health at every size was a book written by Linda Beacon. Um, and the premise of that book is basically that there is a lot of, um, I guess, fear now in like in America or everywhere really that like, like obesity or being fat or overweight um, leads to a lot of like, unhealthy or like negative health conditions but Mm -hmm. the research is actually starting to show that like that's not necessarily true so it could it could be the weight but it could also be the behaviors um or it could be genetics or like you know and we're so quick to judge someone for their size as and like we shouldn't be basically and also like sometimes like basically like when you were reading my bio, like it's a weight neutral approach to health. So obviously I focus on healthy behaviors and I want to teach people about nutrition, but not to change the, their body's weight just to help them make, you know, behavior changes. And I actually just um, interviewed Evelyn Triboli, one of the authors of intuitive eating for my own website. Mm -hmm. And I love, she always says this, but like it really stuck out to me when she said it, that weight isn't a behavior. It's not Mm -hmm. a behavior. And people come into your office and they're a certain weight and they feel so much shame about it. And right. they're even sticking to everything you tell them and the, and the scale doesn't budge. Like it's not their fault. Like this is what their body is. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously that would vary depending on how overweight they were and whether they had other conditions. Right. 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 But I'm saying like, I'm saying just that sometimes it has nothing to do with like the way that they're eating. Right. Right. And some people can be healthier at higher weights. And we use this body mass index like it's like Taramacini. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's not always so clear cut that, you know, a higher body mass index means that they're not healthy at that weight. Right. And there's a whole clinical picture. Like you can't 
I think that's the easiest thing to say like, oh, they're overweight, let's put them in this category. But there's a lot of other variables that have to do with people's health. Right, right. So can you tell me more about how you work with people? I have here that you work one-on-one and in group settings. Yeah, so I do um I do one-on-one counseling. Mm-hmm. So I use um I use the principles of intuitive eating and um I also just I do I do group like counseling and I try to give like workshops as often as I can in the community to just just to just to do like general educating people mm-hmm. on like what like what the misconceptions are about healthy eating and about what intuitive eating is because I think that and definitely on social media it's confusing like I think that a lot of people think intuitive eating is like eat whatever you want and just be happy at your weight and there's it's really much deeper than that mm-hmm. and I obviously try to I'm I stay within my scope of practice like I'm not a therapist but the work that I do I feel is very very deep like we go mm-hmm. really far into the person's like childhood and talking about like how they feel about their body and where those messages come from and um, trying to just create a positive relationship with food. And um, I recently started to do these Zoom meetings on the computer where I'm meeting with like three or four other women and I'm teaching them about attunative eating and we're also have a private WhatsApp chat. So they're supporting each other through it because I do think that because like the whole world is on a diet and it's very alluring, like, like I always say like that dieting, like it feeds that insecurity that like, we're just not good enough. And like, and like the diet industry is like a $70 billion industry per year. Like it's making money off of our insecurities that if you really want to embrace intuitive eating, like you need support from other people who, who are doing it. And it's just very liberating. Like, it's liberating to think like, I don't have to worry about that number on the scale and I could still take care of myself. Like one of the, one of the major components of intuitive eating is self care mm-hmm. and noticing that um, when we don't take care of ourselves physically, emotionally, whatever it is, food can become like much more rewarding because it's like the only thing that gives us pleasure in a day. Right. That chocolate bar at the end of the day. Yeah. So many, oh my gosh, every single, woman tells me like after their kids go to bed like they just right. have urge to eat and it's like well first of all it could be that they're like a zero on the hunger fullness scale so like they have to be eating more consistently but like what did you do for yourself today but also Anything? that may be the only time of the day that you can sit down and eat and actually do that mindful eating because you're not finally it doing those things so yeah, what's a better solution so what with this like, one so so like I really try to deconstruct their their day and take them out of like victim mentality like Mm -hmm. what can you do and that's where I say like this work is very deep because like in a way I'm sort of like coaching them through like some really serious like life decisions because Mm -hmm. like sometimes when your life is so chaotic and and sometimes you're you made your life very chaotic because you didn't want to feel those painful emotions Mm. you know so we get we get there and I, I find that intuitive eating, what my goal is really to help you realize what like the food issues are covering up because it's kind of easier to feel guilty about eating something than feel guilty about yelling at your kid. Right. So sometimes there's like, you're using the issues of food to mask a bigger problem. And that's like what I, I love helping people like get to. 
Do you find though that when you're working with people that they really need um, possibly more help, that the issues are deeper than just the relationship with food? Um, that's sort of like usually just the surface. Yeah. So they do, like, I always encourage my clients to find a therapist if that's what they need. Mm. Um, or there are certain things that they could do like that just will help them feel better, like journaling or meditating or affirmations. And then they, they sort of figure it out themselves. Like, yeah, maybe my life is too chaotic. Mm. (laughs) And like, they make a change, a powerful, positive life change. And that's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Well, this is all very, very interesting, and I really enjoy talking with you. And thank you so much. Sure, thank you for having me. Yes, I really do appreciate this. Now I'm going to. Thanks for listening to the Joma Preventative Health Podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share this with your friends. For more information, check out our Instagram at joma underscore org. Check out our website, www.joma.org, that's J-O-W-M-A dot org, or email us at health at joma.org.